Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the Noble Order of Savages. I am your host, Marcus, joined by his co-host, Derek and Jason. And we have a very, very awesome special guest today. Basically, welcome him back to the show. Bill, thank you for joining us. How are you guys doing today? Uh, good, great, grand, wonderful. <laughs> I'm doing awesome. all right. Just a little The Macho over. Man's doing fantastic today. <laughs> Oh, there we go. I think oh a, a pretty productive <laughs> week, maybe. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, no. <laughs> I went to work. No, my, my week, my week literally consists of work and wrestling, okay? <laughs> and I'm just telling y'all right now, that's all I did was work and wrestling. And it felt amazing to go back and watch some awesome matches on YouTube, okay? And... It was all in preparation for this third part of this awesome series that we've been doing. And at the same time, it was just reliving my childhood. I don't know about you guys, but that was a fucking blast. Marcus, yeah. I even went this far back as to watching YouTube videos of like the most controversial events that happened ever in wrestling and like top 10 videos and all this crazy stuff. Oh, yes. Those... Oh, dude, it was everything. <laughs> Those you guys... Sorry. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say if you guys want to watch, uh, you guys watch ever watch the uh, moves that made me say "Holy shit" on YouTube. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's a compilation. There's probably fifty of them or a hundred of them at this point, but it's like a ten minute compilation of just spots, just crazy moves from everywhere from the Indies all the way up to WWE, and uh, it's pretty badass actually. Yeah, it, if. You want to just see a bunch of really cool moves? Go back and check those out. I watched. I've I've watched a few of them, and they're definitely awesome. Actually, I will say probably one of the best videos I've ever seen. There's a compilation video of Randy Orton hitting random RKOs just out of nowhere. It's just a yeah. compilation of that. It, Actually, funny enough, funny enough, uh, I went down the rabbit hole. Oh God! <laughs> oh no! And I did not know that there was a such thing as kaiju. Uh, wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah. Dude, dude, when, I, when, it, when it showed up on screen, I was just like, dude, what the fuck is this? And next thing you know, dude, like three hours later, I'm into it. Like, holy shit, these guys really got into it. They, they built the you, sets for the giant buildings and shit, dude. It was insane. You gotta watch uh, YouTube, because like sometimes I get drunk and go down the last time I went down a YouTube rabbit hole, I found a way to watch every single Billie Eilish video, and I'm not apologizing. <laughs> I'm not apologizing <laughs> to anybody for it, but it was uh, man that that brought is weird for like being a teenager. Like Jesus, uh, oh, I'm sorry, divergent. My bad. <laughs> but I will say this much: I will say this much. At least sixty percent, sixty percent of the stuff that I watched, it works all uh, the time for this for uh, <laughs> last week. Well, I was uh, you know I, there was like a ten percent of midget porn. But <laughs> oh my I literally God. was attracted to my childhood, which was the Attitude Era. And that was, to me, honestly, one of, in, in my opinion, in my opinion, what the golden age of wrestling, because that you saw a transformation, you saw a switching, switching of the guards, if you may say, from old school to new school. And it was a blast. Like, holy shit. <laughs> 
it, uh, the attitude era of wrestling it, it really kind of changed the the surface of the professional wrestling world in in a sense from 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 our standpoint as a fan from my standpoint as a fan because during that point in time we started to have more of the internet and people started to learn things and people started to be like because because i remember because like people were like oh so and so is going to show up here how'd you know why well, i've read it on the dirt sheets and that's mm-hmm. kind of like when fans started to learn about the dirt sheets and everything else. And some people will think that this modern era of wrestling is not so good, but we'll discuss that later. And um, it's me. I'm some people. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but it, it's just kind of like that's just how the sport changes with time and everything else, in my opinion, on the matter. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, uh, you can definitely see the difference from the Attitude Era to what they have now. Sorry. Dog. And you can say that they toned it down. They toned it down heavily. Okay. It's almost well, like they, it, it was almost like Attitude Era was, hey, we don't care. We'll, you know, we're, we're doing it for the fun of it. Drink beer, you know, uh, 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 strip tease matches, you know, stuff like that. And it's almost like you know what? It's almost like Vegas. Vegas was for adults, and then next thing you know, with the turn of the century, changing of the guards here, they made it family-friendly. And that's what that's what I see wrestling doing, is they're trying to make it more family-friendly. They made it PG. Bingo. Yeah, well, <laughs> the truth is, though, like, they had to. Um, when you go wide and you're a publicly traded company, you can't have... Uh, choppy choppy your pee pee segments. Uh, if, <laughs> if anybody, if yeah. anybody remembers that, like, oh yeah, had, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, for multiple reasons. Like when the, literally cutting off somebody's penis is the least offensive part of your sketch. Like, there's a problem. This is, you know what I mean. And like, don't get me wrong. I go back and I watch all that stuff and I love it and and, and I, I dig a lot of it. But there's so much of it that in today's culture would be completely problematic and just not okay. If, if WWE hadn't changed, we wouldn't be talking about WrestleMania and a network and everything else. That would have been a thing that we watched as kids that uh, sucked. Like, yeah. it's, it would be gone. It, it, would be, it would be done if they hadn't adapted. So, yes, things have changed, and maybe it's for the better, maybe it's not, but... I mean, you can't take away anything, the athletic ability or the skill set from the wrestlers. And there's there's a lot. There's a lot of good these days. I can be as grumpy as anybody about wrestling, but um, I'd rather be here in this new changed form for a whole new generation to see and grow up and love than it have died off like a lot of other things from that era that just couldn't change themselves and, and grow at the time. I think that's Vince McMahon's smartest thing he's ever been able to do is try to see the future and predict a curveball and uh try to keep his company relevant and changing and catch it up with the times even though sometimes with storylines and writing maybe not (laughs) but as far as the company and its basic model and its attempts to do things i I feel like that's probably his strongest suit is being able to move ahead and look ahead also do you think that kind of the changing this kind of goes out to everybody do you think also kind of like the changing of the program format do you think a lot of that came from like the events of like with Chris Benoit and a lot of like the steroid abuse stories and just a lot of the problems wrestlers were having and just how a lot of the wrestlers 
young wrestlers at that point were dying compared to well, they they definitely were trying to make it a lot more safe granted there are a lot more high flyers now and more athletic people now than there were say back then yeah because the, the biggest thing back in the attitude era was like what the flying elbow or a leg drop for a while i mean uh, i mean you you had you had guys you had Shawn michaels he was hitting moonsaults but there was nothing like like Ricochet or Kofi Kingston. Exactly. A lot of those guys. Well, well, with any for me, with any uh, sports or entertainment, there is also a mirror of controversy. So with all the stuff that they've been through with the steroids, the uh, pain pill addictions, uh, <clears throat> the um, you might just say uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for here? <laughs> the, uh, you might just say, uh, you know, lack of a better term, brain damage. You know, concussions. There we go. You know, of course, there had to be some safety measures in play because the way I see it, just like with any other uh, sports or entertainment, they're they're <clears throat> they're trying to keep up with the times and make it a lot more safer for not just the uh, entertainers but also for the fans. You know. And with that, with that being said, you know, it's, 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 for me, it's like, I was a little bothered by it, but then again, I understand the situation, you know, these guys are literally going out there night after night, you know, doing their best to perform, entertain, you know, give the crowd what they want and the wear and tear on the body is ridiculous. Like I was watching, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the documentary I was watching where, <clears throat> You had a uh, DDP, uh, uh, God, who else? It was it was quite a few people, and they were going over uh, their injuries, and you could you could feel the Bible with half the crap that they was going through. <laughs> like Jesus, you know. I mean, looking more into that sport, yeah, it, it's a very physical sport, you know. Well, that's like a, a perfect example of this. I believe it was WrestleMania 17 that had uh, Edge and Christian the Dudley boys and the Hardys in yep. a TLC match. Yep. And they were jumping off the top of ladders, throwing each other through tables left and right. Like they, they actually put their bodies through a lot of extreme uh torment essentially just to put on a good show. Yeah. And uh, I was actually watching an interview with I think it was Devon Dudley and Jeff Hardy going through and rewatching the old match and kind of talking about it. And they're like, yeah, the injuries afterwards, it was like you couldn't even get out of the chair. Like it was that bad. Yeah. But they, well, would, they would still go back and do it all over again. Yeah. Well, I also think a, a big thing that changed was um, back in the day, pro wrestlers used to be big, tough guys that um, got into the business because they had a good look or they were bouncers or fighters and they were looking to find a way to keep making money by doing so. Kevin Whereas, <laughs> yeah, well, a ton of guys, DDP, a ton of guys, but – but, I mean, even before that, like when your 70s wrestlers and the 80s wrestlers, a lot of them were big bodybuilder types that just had that look. And the work rate wasn't even that important. When I look back when I was a kid, uh, I don't remember a single thing from a Hogan match. But I remember Hogan promos. I remember him flexing. I remember little bitty things like uh, the lead up to the match with the Ultimate Warrior. Like I remember all these things from Hogan. But I, don't, I can't sit there and tell you he ever had a classic five-star match. So, what I, I think mean, happened Hogan, was, I'm oh, oh, sorry. I, I was going to say, I think Hogan's big claim to fame, honestly, is his match against Andre the Giant. Uh, right. Yeah. Yes. Well, pretty much. Like, uh, I, I would say Hogan has two to three claims to fame. 
uh, I'll match with Andre. The heel turn when he went NWO and his last match with uh, The Rock. Okay. Well, you know, I would also I, say, I, hold on, I think hold those on, are the three. I got three. one on that list, and that was his uh, team up with Mr. T. Oh, oh yeah, God. yeah. No, because that because because that was important. It was, it was. If you think about it, because that's the point that where it was during that point of time where the WWF at the time it reached out and it started pulling in the MTV crowd, and that's what mm-hmm. made yeah. it the biggest. So I would yeah. also like to say one of my favorite story arcs with Hulk Hogan is the uh, debate, or not the debate, but the uh, debacle that happened between him and Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. Oh, God, <laughs> that, that was too hilarious. Right there. That was Dude, hilarious. Like, when you go back and look at all the wrestling stuff and watch how Savage acted, Savage was not a good man to uh, Miss Elizabeth. Like, I'm pretty sure... He wasn't for a while, but towards the end, he kind of flipped things around. Yeah, but man, I'm like, somebody gets a little backhandy when they're alone like that's that's the dude at applebee's yeah like that's oh, yeah. the dude that's like gets mad at his old lady for adding shrimp at applebee's you know what I mean? like, <laughs> fucking, like fucking too a little too cranked up and hogan's just like chill out man like i don't know Ho- I, like it was a weird combination like i feel like macho man saw hulk hogan saw hogan's success and said Hogan, if I'm going to do what Hogan's doing, I have, he has to be at a seven, and I got to be at a ten. Okay, yeah. okay, Bill, you 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 left that apart. He he did a rail of coke and said, "No, I got to crank this bitch up to 12. Well, actually, for uh, the most part, Randy Savage was actually a clean wrestler. Yeah, I was he about was. to say he you was surprisingly what? clean. That's he was why just very intense. Fucking psychopath. Because yeah. he would be like, God, his eyes were bulging out so far. They were moving his sunglasses around. And he was just like, just, very intense. Yeah, man. With that hair, though, that, that hair was intense. I've oh never seen God. a person with fried hair. Show me one picture. Show me one picture where it looks like he has normal hair just laying there. Every picture I've ever seen, it looks like he just deep fried his fucking hair. It's like, no, you know what? No, Bill's right, though. That's true. Bill's, Bill's right. Like him and the Ultimate Warrior. Like, I don't know what they did to their hair. Like, they stuck their finger in light sockets before a match or something. Well, but, Ultimate oh. Warrior just went to too many Poison concerts and just teased <laughs> that shit out way back. There was something about Macho Man's. Like, if you look at it, it doesn't look like hair. It looks like somebody in a fucking local community place pretending to have long hair. <laughs> and they stuck something on their head that is so uh. stupid. You know they're playing a role as having hair. Either that or he had like seven hairs left in his life and just fucking shellacked them down. I, it, it was, man, like, if we have to talk about a moment, you want to talk about suspension of disbelief. There was a moment in my time where I thought Hulk Hogan had flowing long hair. No, he had a skullet the entire time that I watched him. Like, as children, you want to talk about believe, not believing the fights are real. Every one of these dudes' haircuts were just painful to see. Uh, yeah, they were. They Honestly, were. Can you imagine, you know how, how mad they would have to be, like Hulk and Animal, like Legion of Doom, they walk in, they're like, oh, these guys got full heads of hair and they're cutting it all stupid on purpose. This is bullshit. I don't I can't go hair to save my life. Uh, if, back, if we're going to talk about, if we're going to talk about terrible wrestler hairs, can we talk about the, the 1990 British Bulldog white person like yes. that he oh. had? All oh, the, the British Bulldog <laughs> braids that he had? Yes. Like, what's oh, happening? Oh, that's awful. Are we doing <laughs> hey, you want to talk about 
horrible hair that actually works, though. And my favorite big man wrestler of all time, because he terrifies me because he looks like my father, I swear to God. <laughs> Uh, Big Van Vader. <laughs> Vader. Uh, like the haircut that Vader had on the top of his head. And then he puts a mask on over top of his head. He's got the two tufts. The two tufts. <laughs> yeah. He had the two tufts right here. I love when he would get so – like he'd be wrestling and just got out of breath. He just took his mask off in the middle of a match. Like I've never seen a guy just like, fuck it. I don't care. He's like, I can do this. I, I, I have Vader for you. Uh, it's too hot in this goddamn thing. What the fuck? How do you fucking little Mexicans do it? I don't understand it. I <laughs> Vader was the only guy that I think that thought professional wrestling was real. Out of all the shoot interviews I've heard of Vader, and he'd just be like, "Yeah, well, I, I just, I, I went in there thinking that we were going to fight, so I started punching people for real." Like well, Mick every Foley, Mick Foley will attest that. Other people would be have their name on the board to face him in WCW, and they would bolt and just straight up go home instead of fighting him in yeah. the ring. And Foley would be put in that spot because Foley would take the ass whipping. Yeah. And have you guys seen the video where uh, they were talking about raising a little bit of swelling around Foley's eye before the match, and he breaks his fucking nose? You could audibly hear him in the moment it happens break. Mick Foley's nose across his it moves visibly and starts bleeding like crazy and he blacks his eye and cuts a, a big cut in his eye with his gloves and he audibly breaks the man's nose like yeah just raise a little swelling like he's a fucking monster uh let's, let's also not forget about Van Vader breaking Stan Hansen's face <laughs> Well, those two guys beat the living shit at each other. Stan Hansen pretended to not be able to see so he can knock the shit out of people. He's like, oh, I can't see you, so I just got to really lay it in. And he's like, but it, you, you, can, you can find the video. There's a, I think it, they're in Japan, and Vader punches Stan Hansen. You just see half of Stan Hansen's face just go, bloop. <laughs> well, what, that's what drops. you mentioned Japan. That's what I, I love saying about those motherfuckers just went to Japan and murdered little Japanese boys. Know, they just oh, went man. through, they just like, some of the bumps that, like, they would, you know, of course the big matches would be two Americans over there. But, man, there was a couple times where I saw Vader just kill little dudes, like murder these little guys. And I hate to say little because they're my size, like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, but you just pick them up and just Vader bombs and just everything in the world. It's terrifying. And it was God. a great honor to them, and they enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, like, For those who don't know, Vader is a very big man. <laughs> he yeah, he's a huge. huge bastard. And he's also the father of somebody on Boy Meets World. I forget who, but not really. <laughs> Remember that when he was on Boy Meets World? Yes. Oh, oh my God. Man. Ridiculous. Uh, okay, so where were we? <laughs> we were... We were, Sorry. We, were definitely, we were definitely leaning into the uh, attitude yeah. era okay. things and um, the awesomeness that came with it. So the other really great thing um, I missed from the attitude era is the promos. Oh, yes. I, I, I think the attitude era was the last era we had with real promos that weren't scripted. And that's the one thing I kind of... I kind of dislike about this modern era of wrestling is like the promos and how everything just feels so scripted. I, mm. I miss that spot that that like sp spontaneousness because oh, like yeah. 
you know, like one of the most classic promos, uh, Austin's 316 speech. Like oh, he made, yeah. he made that up on the fly. I was like, about to say we would not we wouldn't have that. That would yeah. uh, they would have not. And and that's what I want to tell WWE. I, I just want to say go back and look at the amount of money alone you've made just from selling 316 shirts. Just the money you made from selling Austin 316 shirts, that money is a direct result of letting your uh, your talent be your talent. That is a direct result of just letting your guys be themselves. They know their character. Let them be their character and let them go. Like, that is a direct result. And that's one thing they don't understand now, which is why a lot of the magic's gone, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the matches the matches today are are phenomenal. Like, some, some are kind of bad. But, like, most of them are really good. But the promos and lead up to the matches just feel so flat. Like that's mm-hmm. what kills it for me. Like if I could take the the promos and the buildup that we had in the Attitude Era and mix it with the wrestling we have in today's era, I think it would be a phenomenal product. Like oh, nobody absolutely. would be able to touch oh, it. Yeah, between having the new age athleticism and like the younger talent, and then mm-hmm. having the old age promos and just like the the stage appearance, just having a combination that would be perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Like. Uh... I, I don't know. If you get, did you guys watch Mania last night? The first no, night? I, I, I just read some of the, some of the. Well, of it. I did, and let me tell you, the the art of in ring performance is still great. It's yeah. still there uh, for the, for the most part. Um, it, it's still fantastic. But you're right, the promos were horrible. But one thing I think is better, and we all can agree, is that the health of the wrestlers is so much better, and and not just from a standpoint of what. Um, what the government or what like the company is making them do, but like now they're playing video games in the back instead of doing lines of coke. But it's true, like they and I think what a big part of what that is is I think the generation of wrestlers we're seeing now mm-hmm. are the ones that I think like AJ Styles and guys like that. Like AJ Styles is almost 50 years old and he's still out there performing his ass off. Whereas back in the day when somebody was almost 50, they were done in the ring. Completely. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was very rarely you saw someone like past 40 still performing. Right. And I Which think that's really because weird that gold dust is still performing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm looking at Sting. God I'm damn. looking at Sting. Like, what the he, hell is Sting doing? Yeah, but Sting, okay. but Sting was mostly a clean wrestler. Like, he yeah. didn't have a lot of drug or alcohol problems. That's like yeah. uh, one of his matches he had with uh, Jeff Hardy. Yeah. He came to the ring completely just shit-faced, gone to the world. And Sting took the initiative to actually stop the match, like, finish off the match as quickly as possible just to try and prevent Hardy from hurting himself. And that's just yeah. a true show of how great Sting was. Absolutely. Like that, that's the type of performer Sting was. Well, I right. retract God, my you guys, you guys just brought up gold dust. Is there anything scarier than a six foot four transvestite that's going to just like Rocky Horror picture the shit out of you and beat you up? <laughs> I like, think that's one of the reasons why I love him. <laughs> dude, his finishing, move, his finishing move shattered dreams. I don't know if you guys remember, it was straight up nope. a kick in the dick. He just kicked you right in the dick. Like that's the finisher. Bam, kicking the dick, and then he and then he hits you with DDT or whatever. But he is like his finisher was, I'm huge, 
I don't know. You don't know if I'm gay or not, but if I want to take it, I can. And I'm going to kick you in the fucking dick. Like, that's the most intimidating loss you will ever have on your record, in your pro record. Like, I'll oh, fight man. Andre the Giant before I'll fight a gigantic, possibly man who I don't know if he knocks me out, what's going to happen to me. Like, that's way <laughs> scarier than a guy that just wants to beat me up. Like, Oh, for sure. I, I loved... Oh, it's fucking weird. I loved the Marilyn Manson gold dust like that was the funniest thing ever i love gold dust with booker t oh yes yes is an example of why pro wrestling is magic because those two (laughs) should never been able to get along or do like they did and it was fucking hilarious it was (laughs) another one of my favorites of all time stone cold steve austin versus booker t in the supermarket oh Oh, god Dude, when, when Austin was... comes out and opens up the milk and drinks it, like, whew, I am tired of working your ass. <laughs> and he throws him in the freezer and he comes out of the milk section. Like, that that whole thing puts him in a cart at the end. Yeah, they, they had to pay for it. They I, oh, absolutely. I remember they, they had to pay the store. They did about $10,000 worth of damage to the store. <laughs> But see, that was the best part about the Attitude Era. They they did they did little promos and stunts like that. Like you could just like they could be chilling at home or chilling at a bar, and the rival would just show up, knowing that they're there, and just start a fight right there. Just start, Hell yes. start beating it, It's almost like there was more conflict off stage than there was on stage. And that I, was the beauty. I think that technically, I I think technically that was the ruthless aggression era, because possibly. I, because the Attitude Era kind of ended when the Monday Night Wars ended. Yeah, I would. Co- I don't know if that's ruthless aggression yet. Because I call ruthless aggression when Cena showed up and Cena wasn't there yet. That was the tail end of the Attitude Era. Era. Yeah. Would, yeah. It's, when it's I say like that, it's like ruthless that gray aggression area. Yeah, and it was it was weird because you're having a WCW invasion, but with none of the like stars. Yeah. Of was, WCW, like yeah. <laughs> show me an invasion with a full NWO and Goldberg and everybody. Uh, but they were all sitting at home. They were sitting at home making five hundred grand a year under a guaranteed contract. And they'd have to break that to come in and wrestle. So why? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was. I I I would really have loved to have seen Sting lead that invasion. Like I, that I would have been wish, badass. Yeah. I wish I wish we would have got a good. Sting in his prime in that invasion angle, yeah. Instead of like what we got, because we got well, like, I'm sorry, we got like Booker T and Buff Bagwell, and you know, <laughs> yeah, and nothing against Booker T. <laughs> no, nothing I love Booker T, T but he's he a champion, you know, but but he like, can carry it, no, and, and he was a great addition, but like when you when I want to see a WCW invasion, I'm talking about Flair. I'm talking about Sting. I'm talking about the NWO. Yeah. I'm talking about Goldberg. Yeah. You send those in. Give me Goldberg versus Austin. Give me Sting versus Taker. Give me Rock versus Flair. Give me all all these great matches they could have made back then. Uh, no, bring they, in Razor Ramon. Well, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, they're bringing the whole NWO versus DX. Which they ended up doing kind of at WrestleMania. Yeah, but it was so it was just so watered down at that point. It wasn't even a match. Yeah, <laughs> more people walking out and more people walking out and a couple bumps and uh... it was it was just like hey, let's get everybody paid. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's, all, what it was. that's all it was. Yeah. There, there was no substance to it. That was the crazy part. I mean, yeah. it was something that everybody was looking forward to. And yet, it, they, 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 to me, they didn't even market it right. Because you got these two, you got these two teams, badasses in their own right. And it's like, where was the pranks? Where was the call outs? You know, where was that? What was that feeling of rivalry? Of seeing yeah. badass? And you really didn't feel it, especially when it came down to them, you know, facing off against each other. That well, it was watered down. <clears throat> to be fair, Triple H has one of the coolest interests ever that year, though, when he was uh, the Terminator thing. Yeah. Triple that H has been notoriously good for his entrances. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I agree. I'm a Triple H mark. Like, a, a lot of people don't like Triple H for reasons I have yet to figure out. But as being a, just a regular old fashioned traditional pro wrestler, like, I don't know what more you want from the guy. Uh, no, I think he's he, great. I, he's, he's one of the best. He's one of the last of that. Like, he was one of the last guys to take that old school mentality with that attitude era and be able to carry it way into the future. Well, and he can work he can work a 25 minute match without all the insane high spots these other guys do and still keep you involved in the match, still keep you emotionally involved and on the edge of your sheet. Uh, literally my favorite match of all time was at the Royal Rumble uh, 2000 Royal Rumble, him and McFoley as Cactus Jack. And it was my, uh, it was right after my birthday. I got tickets. Um, I went on my birthday to go see Raw that year and then saw um, immediately after it was at pay-per-view. And, and yes, they did spots. They had, they had uh, you know, the thumbtacks and the chairs and all that. But, man, it was more about psychology and telling a story. And I think when those two mixed it up, it was freaking brilliant. But still, people still hate on Triple H to this day. I don't understand it. Actually, you know what? If we're talking about uh, wrestlers that are hated on, even though he was good as a tag team uh, partner, I believe that Edge did not get the respect he deserves as a WWE champion. I, I, I disagree with that. I think I highly disagree with that. No, now, saying, Christian, like first run. Chris, Christian, on the hand, he doesn't get the respect that Christian. I, I agree with you there. But Christian, Edge Christian, the championship. Now, How many now Christian, yes, I will agree yeah. with. I will agree with Christian. Yes, Edge. That is a different story because I think he dude, when he faced off when he first won the championship belt. You know, it really felt uh, hollow. It really felt hollow. I really did not feel like he uh, did not get the respect he deserved. Because, he, like, let's face it, he was a pretty boy. He came off of a tag team uh, 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 run. He was going solo. He was aiming for the belt. Uh, he faced off against some of the best wrestlers in the league to get that belt, it's including Mick Foley himself. And it was like, you really, it, it was like the weight the weight of him actually winning did, was not there. I, so for me, it just felt like nobody was respecting the fact that he fought his way up the company, became WWE champion, and there was little to no respect from the fans of that. You know, and, and mind you, he's a very good wrestler. He's a, he's a very awesome wrestler. I, I think with Edge, it kind of, like, his respect with the fans came a little bit later. Yeah, like, it did. Like, but like at first it was like everything else. Like people had to warm up to him. I I just unfortunately think that Christian just got the bum the bum end of the deal. 
He, yeah, he it's because did. Vince McMahon thought Christian was ugly. <laughs> oh, swear God. to God. There was a gimmick proposed. Swear to God. There was a gimmick proposed where they wanted to put a blur, like a identification blur over Christian's face when he wrestled. I'm not making that up. That's how ugly Vince McMahon thought Christian was. Oh, oh, this is Christian. also the same person who wouldn't bring in McFoley to the WWE unless he wore a mask. Yeah, yeah. that's the only way well, he let him on the show. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go uh, on record on just my own opinion while we're on the topic. I think Edge sucks. I think he's overrated, and I think I uh, I'm actually kind of bored with the idea of him being in WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, I uh, he's he wrestles like a giant, but he's not. He's a skinny chested little guy. His spear looks like he's trying to hug and cuddle you instead of trying to fucking knock you out. Um, like every I, there's nothing about. Edge. Edge's greatest matches were all with people that carried him. And if you look at his big time greatest matches, The Undertaker was fucking carrying his ass. And say what you want, but like when he got in there with other people, like Alberto Del Rio and all these horrible matches, like, I'm sorry, I'm not an Edge head, I'm not an Edge guy. I do respect the shit out of Christian, because go back and watch their old matches. Christian did the traditional tag wrestling thing where he worked his absolute ass off and then tagged in edge and edge got all the spots it it, christian was more so the technical like smart wrestler whereas edge was more the flashy like oh look at me kind of thing right christian Christian was clearly was clearly the worker out of the two like christian christian was the workhorse you could he could sell he could you know he could take the bumps and you know he knew when that he knew when to tag and like if it wasn't for Christian we probably wouldn't have had the the, the popularity of Edge probably wouldn't have been there because I, I I think at certain points in time Edge got flat and I I, I think Bill's right like their saving uh, grace Edge and Christian together was the fact that they were a tag team yeah yeah and I don't think either one of them would have made it at all if it weren't for the tag team aspect. But 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 in the same breath, in the same breath, you did have wrestlers such as um, Mick Foley, uh, Chris Jericho, even the Undertaker, basically praise Edge for his athleticism. Now I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna go on record and say he was the best ever. No, no. but I will say I will say that he is somebody that does deserve some respect because he do he works his ass off. He probably knows he's not the best, but he works his ass off. That's that. That's the only thing I'm looking at right now is, you know, he started from the bottom and worked his way up. So just just a little respect, just a little. You know, not saying kiss his ass or anything. And I mean, he's, no, I, he's, I, I, I do agree with you here. I do like Edge. I just don't think he's as great as everyone's saying he is. Now, see, now, in all honesty, if I had a, if I had a top five, he, we we can even say top twenty five. He would be on the list, but he would not be towards like the money spot or the top ten, or even the top fifteen. He would be right around either fifteen or twenty for on my list. I, I think so. Yeah, too. yeah, right. yeah. I, and that's, dude, that's all I'm saying. I mean, he does deserve some respect for what he basically gave to the company. <clears throat> you know, not just as uh, tag team partners, but as, as but also in his solo career. I mean, he. That's the only thing that I look at is that he basically busts his ass. You know, no, I, I will say as long as we gloss over this whole uh, incident that happened with Edge and Lita in the ring, 
we're just kind of forget about all that because you know, everything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the sex incident or whatever they call yeah. it, live yeah. sex so demonstration weird. or some shit. Like every now and then, I don't think I, people say Vince doesn't do drugs, man. But every now and then, I think he's just like, listen. <laughs> we're gonna do live sex in the ring and and it's gonna make Lita, us money Lita damn near Lita damn near uh quit over that oh yeah yeah she Wouldn't really you? didn't want to do it. And, and edge didn't want to do it they were both uncomfortable it's like you, you can even see how uncomfortable they were in the ring yeah oh yeah and matt like matt hardy's in the background crying it's like it makes me think that vince mcmahon watches a bunch of like cuck porn like because because poor fucking Matt Hardy's in the background. Like ah, my fucking girlfriend that was with me forever is getting plowed on live TV. Oh man! Uh, Actually, I was about to say so, Vince. Vince. Vince is probably a midget porn type guy. Oh no! He, 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 Vince he is. is. You can get like nine of them in the screen. It's amazing. Vince. My little dick's flying everywhere. Right, what are you gonna do? Uh, so, uh, <laughs> speaking of speaking of controversy, so let's talk about one of the greatest controversial moments in professional wrestling history. Oh no! <laughs> the when, Montreal- when May Young gave birth to the hand. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. No, not that. Not, not, that. not, not that. Not that. Okay. That, oh, that, that was an attitude era golden moment. That's another uh, episode right there. Oh, <laughs> deep yeah. cut, deep cut, and I'm not talking about Meg when I say deep cut. It's not. You know what though? Like, uh, there is one thing that bothered me. Like, whose hand was it? Because it wasn't Mark Henry's hand. Because it was a white hand. Well, not even that. He didn't know if like Mark Henry had a prosthetic hand, and he was like, "Oh, I can't find my hand." And then she gave birth to a hand, and he was all like, "That's my hand." Wait a minute, that's not my hand. I could buy that. <laughs> But there, the hand came out of left field. That was yeah, a it came out. Yeah, it came out the, of somewhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the hand, the hand, just like I mean, like I don't know. I guess if he, I, I guess I if it was, May Young was walking around with her hand in her vagina. Like there was a hand in there. But how well, old was she? Like, wait, wait. The, the real question was, how old was she? She was like, old. she had to be like a hundred some years old here. Uh, I think, I think during that point in time, she was ninety six. But bro, I mean, come on, dude. The absurdity of a ninety-year-old giving Can you birth that? to a hand, and that shit—that shit floored me. Must sound like somebody doing a round of applause underwater or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I mean, it's just like I couldn't buy it because Mark Henry had both hands. Now, if there was like some like. <laughs> That's the hang-up. No, and besides that, it makes perfectly good sense. Kayfabe, like, cut his hand off. <laughs> Take my hand. Mark Henry, uh, we got to keep Kayfabe. Which hand do you want to lose? And then they fuck up. They fuck it up, and it's a white hand on accident. They're like, ah, you're oh, fucking He's oh, blocked for crying out loud. So I figured we'd take a few minutes to talk about the Montreal Screwjob. Oh God, there's so much anger. It's only if we can keep this to a couple minutes. Yeah. You, <laughs> I you already know this is not going to be a couple of minutes. Every I, time I hear Montreal Screwjob, I, I think it's something you get from a hooker for ten bucks. Like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, is it not? Yeah. You can only uh, get it in Canada. I, it's like I'm, you just you flicks the in the head of your dick and leaves. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. 
I'm just finished it. She had to say a. 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 What's the boot? And goes and has some French fries and gravy, sir. So I'm just gonna go ahead and say I think it's all work. I think it was all a work. You know what? On one hand, I think it was work, but then again, with the industry, with I mean, with the tradition of the belt being passed, when you leave the company, look, and the the, the tight spot that Vince McMahon was in, I really do believe. You know, on the other hand, I really do believe that when, he did screw. When did when did, screw, when did uh, the Bret Hart? When did the Montreal screw job happen? Someone looked it up real fast. I got you. All right. I would say 90... 96. 97. 97. It was when? the championship at SummerSlam in August 1997. Okay, now... No, 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 It was at Survivor Series. Wait, 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 wait. Hold oh, on. Eric. Let me find it. It, was, it, it happened at Survivor Series. Yeah, yeah. He's giving us wrong information. Oh, you're right. Guys. It was uh, November 9th, 1997. Sorry. Okay, it was November 9th, 1997. What... Okay, so just just bear with me here. Okay, okay. So the Monday night the month the Monday night wars are going, and 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 everything that we've learned from the last two episodes, Vince was always two steps ahead of everybody. Yes, Vince was playing chess, not checkers. Exactly. So Vince gets so so here it is. Vince gets an ideal. I'm going to sabotage WCW because Bischoff's kind of copying everything Vince is doing at this point in time. So he works it out. He's going to build a controversial story. He gets Bret Hart to agree with it. Bret Hart leaves the WCW. <laughs> now, Vince would not let anybody promote on his show, but Bret Hart was able to spell out WCW in the ring on camera to a live audience. Do you think Vince would let that happen? Yes, and yes. here's why. Controversy creates cash. Absolutely. Second of all, second of all, there's two big reasons why I don't believe that it was a work, personally. One, right. The Undertaker. Uh, Taker has said he was pissed off when all this happened. He went and kicked in Vince's door, wanted to know what was going on, blah, 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 uh, in multiple interviews over the years. Taker is the kind of guy. Right too. Yes. But Taker is the kind of guy that if it was kayfabe, he wouldn't necessarily lie, but he just wouldn't say shit. He wouldn't say that he was involved. If he went and kicked in the door and Vince was like, hey, calm down. It's a work, buddy. And he would have been like, okay, it's a work. And he would have shut the fuck up about it because his whole career is basically based around kayfabe to an extent. Mm-hmm. And he, he wouldn't have said shit. On, uh, on top of that, when, uh, when um, Bret Hart, yeah, went full retard, sorry. Uh, <laughs> when Bret Hart left the company, there was a ton of bad blood, especially after his bike accident. Mm-hmm. and everything that was being said he could have done a tell-all interview with anybody for a ton of money and straight up said the montreal screw job was a work i got sent to wcw and uh wanted to you know ruin what they were doing blah 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 i find it so much easier to believe that uh eric bischoff just wanted the toy 
He wanted the, the toy. He wanted the name. He wanted that guy that's pure WWE to be in WCW. He had no actual plans for it. It was a shit show down there. The inmates were running the asylum. Nobody down there wanted to give their spot to Bret Hart, just like Hogan didn't want to give up his spot in WWE to Bret Hart. The same mm -hmm. thing transferred down there. And I think they just screwed up with what to do with Bret Hart as opposed to this big theory. It's easy to believe the theory. Don't get me wrong. It, like, I love buying all that. And I do believe there's been several works like that. But I just think Vince is smart enough to smell money. And when he smelled the when they did the WCW thing and all that, those gears started turning and he started thinking, I could be the bad guy. I could be the bad guy, my own promotion. I could be the biggest guy in the world. And then I just need to find a face to, to uh, go up against me. And I, I think that's, that's where that's where the Mr. McMahon character came from. And all that is his ability to see the real life and change it. That's just well, he, he he was already he was already the Mr. McMahon character going into that. Thanks to Steve Austin. Yeah, I mean, actually, actually Steve we're, forgetting, we're forgetting one key piece of evidence, guys, and that is the Bret Hart documentary, where they followed him for that year, leading up to SummerSlam and Survivor Series. Oh, survival <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. And they actually show the behind the scenes where you heard him firing off at Vince McMahon, telling him, get the fuck out the locker room. And the infamous punch to the face took place. Even though you didn't see it on camera, he came out, he came out the uh, locker room dazed, confused, whatever, holding his face. And then a couple of days later, he actually went on uh, WWE Network uh, interview or whatever, and you can actually see on the right side of his face where he got punched in the face. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, he, he did get punched. Oh, okay, but... I say, he got spit on and he got punched. But, I mean... And none of that... None of that strikes you guys as a work? Because... Well, it absolutely could be a work. Absolutely. To, to a degree, to a degree, yes. But, but the point of it is, is this. You had Bret Hart leave, and what did he immediately do? He went to WCW and was involved. The only real big angle he was involved in in WCW was the knockoff Montreal Screwjob angle with Hogan and Sting. Yeah. yeah. And that well, helped kill WCW. But do you know a big reason why he left, though, uh, was money. Oh, because, yeah, was money. because he had been signed to a 20-year deal. Uh, Vince signed him to a 20-year deal, making all this money, and he Vince had to have a meeting with him where he straight up said, I can't afford to pay you. Mm -hmm. I just can't pay you what I offered to pay, what I was going to pay you. Like, the business isn't there. We're not making the money. I, I can't I, afford to pay you. I get all those reasons are put up there, but I'm just saying it just seems too coincidental because Bischoff because with Bischoff coming off of the, the controversy that happened he just immediately goes right into another controversial angle he was copying WWF WWE at the time so they had this incident they had this incident breakdown it happened Bret Hart goes over there Bischoff's immediately like okay this is what we're going to do and it just helps kill WCW. You, I mean, 
the only people that had to keep a secret of it being a work was Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, and McMahon. Everybody, everybody else had to think that it was real. But the only three people that had to know it was a work was those three. I would almost argue that Undertaker would probably know as well. Yeah, Undertaker, yeah. Undertaker, Undertaker was judge. He might have, he might have had to have been told just so he probably wouldn't have killed somebody. <laughs> the, the only way, the only way that I would agree with that is, is if Bret Hart had just got paid to sign a uh, non-disclosure statement where he agreed that he would not discuss that and he would not say anything about it, or I, he would be sued. That's the only way. He if he signed an NDA. Then maybe I believe it, but that'd be the I, only way. I, I I would agree. I, I I'm just saying, I'm I'm just saying with the way that Vince does things and how far ahead he was planning and looking at things, I would not be surprised if Vince went to went to Bret Hart and be like, "Look, I can't pay you, but how would you like to be involved in one of the greatest moments in professional wrestling history? Get paid three times." And getting paid three times by signing to WCW, getting paid from there, mm-hmm. coming back and getting paid again. And then all the history and going down in the books with the Montreal screw job. I mean <laughs> I, I could see somebody being like, okay, what do we need to do? And then those three working out this angle and just Yeah. I don't know. I could see it. I could see it, but like We'll never know, man. It's professional. It's professional <laughs> wrestling, seriously, and not to make it seem more serious than it is, but it's professional wrestling's uh, version of uh, eight men out. <laughs> no, of the grassy knoll, basically. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. like it, it really is WWE's version of that. We don't know. We're never gonna know. It's those guys when, in that room. Um, it's a very closely guarded secret. I I would say this. I I figure. I bet you. The truth will finally come out when Vince dies. I think you know what I believe. Not just Vince, but other prominent wrestlers. I, I there think will be, there will be some stories that uh, some of the the other wrestlers that knew them are going to be comfortable telling. I, I I have a feeling that once Vince dies, we're probably going to learn a lot about Vince that we probably didn't know. You know, I kind of agree, but part of me thinks that Vince really won't be able to resist saying, gotcha. Like, at some point, <laughs> yeah. before he dies, like, he's laying in a hospital bed. He's like, I just want to say, the screwdriver was a work. Gotcha. Kayfabe ain't dead. Gotcha. And, I was all behind it. You know, Mark, behind Henry, it. Mark Henry walks out, pulls off a glove, and he has a white hand, white hand. and he can gotcha. take the white okay. hand off. Ah, yeah, the curtain goal was my that's idea. why he was going to retire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can honestly say that there, there, there's probably stories with them doing their uh, tell-alls and all this other stuff, their overall tell-alls and stuff like that. I, I know that there are some stories that they are holding on because the other person is still alive and they cannot tell the story yet. Yeah, <laughs> but whenever but I, it's broke, that story will come out. And we're just going to be sitting here like, wait, what the fuck? And Mon- the Montreal screw job is at the top of the list because if this is one giant fucking conspiracy, and either either uh, uh, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, or even the Undertaker, even the Undertaker, comes out and says, "Yeah, it was fixed. I'm done. 
I'm fucking done. In slow mo for four days, I'm watching everything in slow mo just to basically capture everything. And yes, we will be back on this podcast to talk about it. <laughs> That'd be a fucking three hour episode of my insanity of the Montreal screw job. Okay. So yeah. I I think I think we talked about the Montreal screw job enough. Yeah. I it's think never so. enough. Yeah. It's never enough. <laughs> I'm gonna be tossing and turning tonight, thinking about it. Just if like, anyone wants to go down that rabbit hole, they're more than welcome to. But it is yeah. it is a very big conspiracy within the wrestling. Yeah. Universe. You know what? I would not be surprised if somebody hit up our uh, our email address, the noble savages at gmail.com, and they actually was like, "This is an inside job," and they send us files. <laughs> 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 and like tell no one delete Man, evidence no, when done <laughs> I really so, want to I really want to do that now like, just <laughs> guys, I'm just saying so, there's going to be a lot of conspiracy going on if people was hearing this who's this WD Fisher guy yeah, I don't know but he's not some shit so instead of like instead of like us having deep throat like with the Watergate we'd have like wow what? thank you for throwing Watergate on that I was really confused for a minute I was, like, what kind of party was I was about to say hey whoa 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 podcast you have so different kind of wrestling bro. so so would would our would our deep throat be uh, the the gorilla position kind of okay and that sentence alone is. Would our deep throat be the gorilla position? Well, if she's any kind of a woman, it would be. Like, uh, <laughs> a hell of a sentence. Would our deep throat be the gorilla position? Uh, actually, yes, because I do believe there are little people that stand at the at the gorilla position occasionally just running wiring and helping with this and that or the other that hear yeah. things and say things. But I also think those people make up a lot of shit and tell, tell Dave Meltzer. That's why he says all these things are supposedly true that, yeah. So uh, moving moving forward <laughs> with this conversation, um, uh, here we go. So I think that kayfabe has become a dying art in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yes, it has. And um, I blame social media for it. Yeah. So I, we talked a little bit about kayfabe um, in part two with one of the most important moments in professional wrestling, which uh, happened during the Attitude Era, and that was the curtain call. And um, so what is exactly kayfabe that can, can, can we explain to our listeners that might not know what kayfabe is? Well, it's basically a character. Like, say you're an actor like Robert Downey Jr., Leonardo DiCaprio, something like that. Whatever movie they're into, that's their character. Okay. And, and, they, it's and they have to people... hold that character until they say cut. Right. Well, kayfabe is carny speak for fake. It's uh, they. It's a way that they would speak back in the day when wrestling first started. It was uh, carny speak. They used a lot of carny speak back in the day. And for fake, kayfabe is the word. And it was... It's commitment to your character, but kayfabe is living your character. Whereas, like, when a movie filming ends, a lot of times they stop. Whereas, this is traveling from town to town. Um, Back then, there were two locker rooms back in the day for the good guys and the bad guys. There were, um, like, 
you would never see those two. You would never see heels and faces traveling together. Um, you would never see them playing video games against each other in the backstage. It's basically method acting. Yeah, pretty but much. Yeah. On a much bigger and longer scale. My yeah. my favorite KFEB moment came when I was mm, I I want to say it was during the heyday of Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh yeah. And so Hacksaw oh. was having this Hacksaw was having this feud with the Iron Sheik, and then all of a sudden I come to like it's just over. And Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Iron Sheik aren't on TV. It wasn't until years later that I found out about KFEB. And that I found out that Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Iron Sheik got pulled over in a car with marijuana in the car. And they got arrested. <laughs> and, and they broke KFEB and they, they both lost their pushes and they both got dropped. Like... I love that story. <laughs> um, one of my one of my favorite moments of kayfabe that you know it's real when the old timers believe it. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember Kamala, yeah, the Uganda yes. giant. I'm, yeah. I'm slapping his belly and stuff. Okay, there was a scene where, uh, and I was super young when this happened, but my I remember watching with my dad, and I was super super young. But Kamala bit somebody's ear off by storyline. And he had the ear in his hand. It was bloody, and the guy rolled out of the ring. Blah blah blah. My dad, to this <laughs> fucking day, knowing absolutely how fake wrestling is, will stop you. And he gives me shit for liking wrestling. Oh, it's fake. It's all bullshit. Blah blah. Man, that time that Kamala guy really bit that dude's ear off. He was crazy. <laughs> and he still believes it. He absolutely still a hundred percent believes that a man went into the ring for fifty bucks. And got his ear bitten off of his fucking head because this other guy was crazy. And they showed a felonious assault on live television <laughs> and kept showing it on the network and everywhere else. Like they, they kept showing an actual mauling of a human being on purpose. It's fake. It's not Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's what I, 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 it blows my mind that he gets so worked up and giving me shit about like wrestling Actually, about how fake it is. But by God, that one moment, that one single moment was real. It, yeah, I love it. Actually, for me, it would be New Jack. <clears throat> there was nothing kayfabe about New Jack. Of course, <laughs> look, yeah, look, look what you made Bill do. Jesus Christ, man, you just ruined my whole life. <laughs> Man, I thought you meant he. I thought you meant he was in the room. I'm like, ah, yeah. <laughs> like, New Jack is. No, a, he was, no, he fucking... was a, dude, New Jack is literally like the <laughs> best psychopath I've ever seen come out of wrestling. That's because no he went in the ring trying to kill people. Well, yeah. see, that's the best part. Yeah. It didn't matter if he was good at wrestling or bad at wrestling. He was like the perfect fucking heel, and he was a fucking psycho. I mean, well, he could be a good wrestler, but there. There's a part of me that everybody was scared of wrestling New Jack, New Jack, New Jack. Don't get me wrong. Like, I really want to see him get in the ring, though, with a guy like either Kurt Angle or Brock Lesnar and just get fucking murdered. But with that being I, said, I, I want to see a guy. I would <laughs> love we, – we had this conversation in our, in our group chat of who was the most violent wrestlers ever. And for me, it came down to either Vader or New Jack. And I would love to have seen a big Van Vader and New Jack match. 
because oh, somebody, somebody, um, it died. would be a death match. Somebody would have died. I think, I know. I think, I think New Jack would have tried to gouge or cut Vader or something in some way, and Vader would have knocked him out. I, I firmly believe Vader was in there stiff style over in Japan. ECW was crazy bumps and all kinds of shit, but man. The way Japan worked over there, that stiff style, and the size difference between the two, I, now, I, I just think that he, he would have been stabbed and cut, hurt bad, but he would have broken New Jack's jaw. He would have oh, knocked probably. his face off. Oh, More than likely. Fuck yeah. <laughs> See, if New Jack has weapons, he's very deadly. He does not care. But <laughs> Vader is big, and once he actually gets a hold of New Jack, he will destroy him. Yes. Well, and New Jack likes fucking with new people and young guys and guys that don't know what they're doing and guys that are scared to be in the ring and all that kind of shit. He likes... Like, New Jack's fucking crazy. He was fucking tasing motherfuckers. And he tased port- the guy and threw him off, what was it, 40 foot of scaffolding onto a table? Yeah, yeah but, but, but let's be honest about it. Vic Grimes was a bitch. He deserved it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, if you know the story, he did. <laughs> well, who didn't deserve it was that mass transit kid. Oh, God, that was... No, so- you know what, though? That... I, I don't want to say <laughs> fuck that kid, but I'm going to say <laughs> fuck that kid. Okay, first off, that kid lied about his age. He lied about his age. He was 17. He was 17. He was like, he... fucking 17-year-old. I saw videos of that. I'm like, that's a big-ass 17-year-old. Like, I'm not mad at anybody for believing that dude was in his 20s. That was a grown man. He, he, he lied about his age. He went backstage in the back and showed nobody in the back respect. He, yeah, he, went in, he, he went in calling his own spots. He went in. And just was just trying to be big dick in the locker room. All right. And then his second, like everything that happened to him, he walked into and brought in on himself. He knew exactly uh, what he was getting into. To an extent, except for the, the part where he gets cut so goddamn deep he almost dies and needs a blood transfusion. And his father's having a stroke at the side of the ring because this isn't well, what he agreed to for wrestling. Like, yeah, but I think New, same... Jack, New Jack took it too far. New Jack could have just stiffed him a bunch and really worked him over and have been okay. He didn't have to fucking slay the I, fucking I, kid. I, Actually, I, I... how do you think they gave him the New Jack? They were like, dude, teach him a lesson. Well, no. Well, they that did. was also one of those things where New Jack didn't have anyone on the card and he wanted to fight someone. And well, like, no, oh, it was good. It was supposed to be a tag team match, is, is what it was. The whole thing of it was is the mass transit was brought in to be Devon's tag team partner because Bubba couldn't be there. Okay. Because it was supposed to be it was supposed to be the Bud uh, the Dudleys against uh, the um, uh, the gangsters. Yes. Yeah. But did you notice though back what I was saying about about New Jack? New Jack didn't pull that shit with Bubba Ray or Devon. He didn't pull that I'm a badass shit. He pulled it with guys that he could get away with, young guys that would just stand there and yeah, close no. their eyes and get cut. But and see, and that was kind of like the thing we were talking about, like with 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 what made Vader more violent and, and dangerous was Vader was stiff with everybody. New Jack oh, yeah. New Jack could work. And New Jack did work with people he respected. See, my reservation on that, though, Vader is a big badass who will just beat the shit out of people. New Jack is on record said he was trying to kill people. I've also seen, I've also seen the, the video, the behind the, beyond the mat or whatever, where he's like railing he lines of coke. And yeah. He's got, yeah, and he's got some like fucking horrible looking 17-year-old chick he's about to go plow. And he's like, <laughs> 
She's like, yeah, I like this new Jack. And he's the fucking railing lines in some backyard somewhere before a match. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'll kill a motherfucker. <laughs> I'm like, God damn, dude. He's just fucking one eye sticking off. You know, he said he was trying to throw Vic Grimes off and onto the ring post and hoping to kill him. Well, yeah, oh, but yeah. that was that was because Vic Grimes gave him brain damage. I yeah, mean, Vic no. Grimes, because they felt because they fell bad. Sorry, yeah. did you guys hear that ridiculousness? That's what I live with. <laughs> but no, it's, I mean, I mean sounds like he sounds like he's a New Jack fan. He's trying to I defend get, New Jack. I guess he tries to cut me. I'm just saying, New Jack. New Jack was like the scary. He was he was just a scary all around guy. Like Jesus Christ. Where, where Vader was very stiff, New Jack was purposely trying to hurt people. That, that's, yes. That's and, my that, and dude, that's why that's why he's at the top of my list as a fucking psycho. Like Jesus. But but again though, with New Jack, he like the Dudleys never got hurt. Like the people that he respected and he worked with never got hurt. Vader, he 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 respected Stan Hansen and he still broke Stan Hansen's face. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't actively like, oh, I'm going to go fucking break his face. Uh, I think he might have said that. <laughs> uh, it, it was Vader, so I mean, it's possible. Yeah, it is possible. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were just trying to put on a very, very good show. And that's what that's the that's the end of the day for the wrestlers is putting on a great performance for the well, audience. And yeah, things are going to happen. Things well, back then, kayfabe was real. But the show got to go on. Yeah. Kayfabe was real. Like, they didn't want you to see through the punches and the fake hits and the fake moves and stuff yeah they were they were protecting it real yeah yeah at all costs and i'm pretty sure the opponent that got hurt understood because it's like dude we're protecting the industry we're we're, we're protecting our well, reputation that's like the interesting thing is there's actually several moves where the person who's actually doing the move towards the other opponent they're actually getting hurt worse than the people taking the hit yeah yeah oh yeah yeah oh yeah but it's 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 a bloody game. It really and is. Th- there's a lot of things that you have to actually trust the other person that is going against you to not try and kill you too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially in, in today's modern day with the moves that they pull off and stuff, you're just going, Jesus, man. So many times these guys absolutely trust each other. So. Well, that's like the uh, WrestleMania 17 match I mentioned earlier, the TLC match with Edge, Christian, the Dudley Boys, and the Hardy Boys. Uh, at one point, Edge, uh, I think he spears uh, Jeff Hardy yep. off of one of the ladders, or like I think he was hanging off the the belt or something like that. Yeah, he was hanging off the belt. And, uh, he went up he the speared ladder. him off the top of the ladder, mm-hmm. and he actually said in an interview, I think it was with Stone Cold on his podcast, talking about how his, literally Jeff Hardy's life was in his hands, so he didn't fall on his head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of trust that you have to actually give each other there to not try and hurt each other. Yeah, and that, and you know what? That's to me, that's the beautiful art of wrestling, right there. Is even though majority of it is for a show, the performance is real, you know. And at the same time, you know, there's a like you said, there's a level of trust. It's awesome. Like they they understand what they're going out there, what they got to do. Some of it is fucking dangerous as shit. No wonder they be, they tell everybody, please don't do this at home. But have you know, have any of you guys ever been in, in an actual ring? No. Uh, I, I, tr- I trained a very little. I've been in an actual ring. 
And it was just because friends I know were training. I was never what I thought big enough. I never thought I would be capable to be a wrestler. But I remember (laughs) – It's true. (laughs) I took two what you would call bumps if you wanted to, where one, I just crossed my arm and did a flat back bump. And then I jumped off of the corner because I was a dork. I wanted to throw an elbow, so I jumped off of the – the third rope in the corner and tried to drop, tried to drop an elbow in the middle of the ring, got the timing all wrong, landed on my knees and elbows. Ouch. And when I took the flat bump back flat on my back, I hit the ground and went, ah, like for about 30 seconds. Yeah. I don't know how these guys do it. And every guy there was like, yeah, WWE's ring is harder, stiffer and less give than what we're working with. You know? So, a lot of training and practice. Absolute respect, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, circling back towards the uh, kayfabe aspect a little bit, I, I don't know why this was really popped into my head. I think one of the funniest kayfabe breaks was between Triple H and Kofi Kingston. It's when he sw- when Kofi switched out of his Jamaican accent while they're doing a promo on stage, and Triple H <laughs> called him out on it. And he, I think he actually said something along the lines of, "Hey, aren't you supposed to be Jamaican?" Yeah, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> Nice. Actually, actually, I like the promos where uh, they have to cover their face because they could. They they it's like they try to stay in character, but the they start laughing. They're doing it with. They just start. They just gotta hold that laughter in because they know for a fact it's funny as shit. And I love I love those bloopers. I love them because it's like yeah, you see the hum- you, you see the humane side of them. They you, yeah, you that know, happened a lot. With sort the, of in on the joke, uh, you know. That happened a lot like with a, the Rock. Who was oh that? God. Who was that? Was it Booker T who was doing a promo backstage? I think it was with a part of the Harlem Heat faction and dropped the N-word in one of his promos. It was oh, it was it was Booker T. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he said, Hulk Hogan, N-word, I'm coming for you. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Exactly. Wait, hold on. For you. Hold on. Resident black guy, so I can say it here. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, Hollywood Hogan? We're coming for you, nigga, in everybody's face. Everybody's face, including mine, was like, yo, yo, He whoa. even turned away yeah, from even, as soon as he said it. Even Stevie Ray was like, hold on. I don't whoa, think we're supposed whoa, to say that shit. I don't think that's okay. <laughs> Booker T already knew right then and there, the moment that N-word left his lips, he got fined right there. Oh, as he was soon like, as he money. said it, he, like, turned away from the camera. I was like, oh, shit, I should not have said that. <laughs> The look, really on, lost some money right there. the look on Mean Gene's face when that happened was like, uh, uh, well, um, why does he get to say it, but I can't? So, how much to let me say it? <laughs> oh, shit. how much to let me say it, bro? I'm the, literally, that is that is that is number one on my uh, top uh, bloopers. For See, you can't get that kind of promo nowadays. Yeah, everybody wants to be careful. Everybody wants to be careful. Nobody likes to be hyped up. Way well, you gotta, you gotta be careful. I mean, the way uh, Stone Cold was, they were all hyped up. Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, these guys were like hyped up. All right, hold on. Ultimate Warrior was on cocaine though. (laughs) Yeah, and he never cut a promo you would understand. You'd be like, the lightning is going down from the power of my sky when you are a bird in the sky. And you will fly high as a bird, but a dolphin in the ocean from the lightning. And you're like, <laughs> like, bro, yeah, man, you the lightning, it was some of the best stuff on Earth. Yeah, he had no idea what he was talking about. He's like, well, the Hulkamania power will run through your eyes and then into your eyes, out your nose, and you will smell and see the power of the ultimate warrior. 
It's like, what does that even mean, dude? Like, come on. Like, I get it. You're hyped up. He is the ultimate worst promo giver of all time. But it worked for a kid because he's going, yeah. And he's got veins sticking out of his forehead. And he's got, like, he's all tied off like he's going to shoot heroin. And, and his, like, <laughs> his fucking hair is all teased out and fucking got that face makeup on. Just, yeah. I, I still think the best promos are between Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. Oh, Randy Savage. They're is the best. I don't know, man. Ultimate Warrior going who's flying the plane. That, <laughs> that's Ultimate just really classic. Uh, oh, no, uh, no, 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 no. On oh, a sorry. serious, Macho on man, a serious uh, 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 ooh, uh, I'm the cream of the crop. There we go. Or a or, uh, cup of coffee in the big times. Yeah. I don't. Okay. I have no yeah. idea what the fuck that means, but I was I was feeling that shit. <laughs> okay. So I, I want to ask you guys for real though, seriously, and I have my answer, but I want to know each of you guys who's your favorite promo of all time. Who's your fa- not not actual promo, but who's your favorite wrestler as far as cutting promos of all time? Ooh, that's a good mm. one. Because honestly, does the Macho yeah, Man really need to answer this? <laughs> okay, deal. All right, pro- <laughs> sold. Marcus? I got, I got, I got two. I got two because it's, it's a toss up between these two, okay? And that's either gonna be uh, Ric Flair or Booger T. Okay. I'm sorry. Oh, Ric is it Flair, just because that blooper? Ric Flair knows how to give a fucking promo. Like the man was just. Oh, insane. You, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Uh, J- Jason. Oh. Okay. I'm gonna say, go. I got, I got, uh, I got three. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes always gave great promos. Yes. Uh, yep. You look at just hard times and shit like that. That was brilliant. Um, after that, I would say uh, Cactus Jack, especially from the ECW era of Cactus mm. Jack. He, he was pretty good. Those went to a whole new level. And... Um, You guys are going to hate me for this. Probably. You really are. But I always chuckled at John Cena's promos. Now, which John Cena? Like, not the rapper John Cena. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) But I hated John Cena as a wrestler. He was boring to watch. Yes. But goddamn, his promos were funny. Even if you hated him, you laughed. Well, see, the weird thing was, and I hated that. Very, very remarkable wrestler. No, he was boring. He was boring. He was super boring. I'll give him that. (laughs) He was, he was, he was the Hulk Hogan. A John Cena match had three moves: shorter block, knuckle shuffle, and the and the and the attitude adjustment. Oh, it's just like Hogan. Hogan had the Hulk up, body slam, leg drop. And I'm actually going to emphasize, I've got two top promos that I like. Obviously, Randy Savage and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, Stone Colds were great. But I'm sorry, hate me. Um, I'll give you my wrestling mark card. But Cena's Cena's promos were funny. So for me, (laughs) uh, I've got got four. (laughs) And I'm going to order them off the top of my head from four to one. Go for it. Uh, Number four, CM Punk. The pipe bomb promo, but also his stuff with Triple H. The pipe bomb was iconic. Uh, his stuff with Triple H, like all, uh, so many of his promos are gold. 
Okay. Two, uh, Austin. Austin made me want to go to work and beat my boss's ass. Good point. <laughs> uh, Austin three sixteen was the definition of no fucks given. Coming out, fuck whatever you got going on for you, whatever you think you are. When you step in this ring with me, I'm gonna whip your fucking ass because you're between me and the belt, and I need to be at the top. And if you step in that ring, whoever you are, wherever you are, why, it's between you and me. That drive came through his promos. Mm-hmm. Number two of all time would have to be The Rock. The Rock made – I'm not a fan, a big fan of The Rock. Like, I'm not a big wrestling Mark fan. But what The Rock did was take wrestling promos and make them popular with your friend next door that never watched wrestling before. God, The he Rock people, so corny, though. <laughs> they, are, they are, but you said them. And they yeah. laughed, and people went along with them. And so you watch some of the videos from back then. He'd have an arena full of 25,000 people hanging on every word he said. He his Because The Rock's in-ring wasn't all that great. It really wasn't. But his promo. Three moves. One of the best in the world. Yep. But to me, the best promo of all time was not a guy that yelled and screamed. He was the exact opposite. Is Jake the Snake Roberts? Oh, love Jake the Snake Roberts. Is so quiet, calm, and when he said something to you, it was like a snake, and it was like a serial killer, and it was fucking worrying, and like it it made you uncomfortable. It made you like when you listen to him cut a promo, you made him look a guy who was not a huge, uh, ripped up guy, gonna get in the ring with Hogan or something like that. You'd think he would get his ass kicked, but he was so intimidating. Just the way he spoke and so like a fucking – it was almost like a serial killer reading a book of his own exploits. Like it, it was – the way he delivered a promo was so believable, and he whispered almost and had you in the palm of his hand. And just when you think it would get more intense, like he would come up with it, he would actually lower his voice and pull you in and pull you in until – if you watch some of his promos, by the end of his promos, he was whispering. Like, legitimately whispering, and you were right there for the entire fucking thing. See, a really interesting thing about Jake the Snake Roberts, too, um, there are actually a lot of people who never thought he would actually make it very far in wrestling at all, just because he's not very athletic. He's, he wasn't necessarily the, the biggest or strongest guy, but he, he definitely had to uh, make up for everything, like in ring and in promos, just to try and make up for his lack of physique, for better or lack of a better explanation. Right. And he's also known as being one of the greatest ring generals and ring tacticians of all time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I I would – I if I could take two wrestlers and do a fancy booking of two wrestlers in their prime and have them face off against each other in, a, like, a series of matches and, like, work promos against each other, Cactus Jack and uh, Jake the Snake would be my pick. Hell, yeah. I, that I'd would be that. – that, that would just be – it would be it would be the equivalent of two serial killers facing off and fighting each other. <laughs> I'd, wa- I'd watch that. I'd absolutely uh, watch yeah. But so going into this kind of last part of this, the modern age of wrestling. How do you guys feel about it? Like the WWE is at the top. There's really no competition with it. Do you think that hurts it? Yeah. I mean, personally, I I get what they're trying to go for nowadays, making everything a lot safer and uh, a lot more PG, things like that. But at the same time, it's not what I I grew up with. It's not. It's just not the same. I, I don't care for it that much. 
and there's no like real big stories that I can really like latch onto and follow, like how back in the day how they had the uh, the Brothers of Destruction, the Kane versus Undertaker for a while. Yeah, um, like a lot of the old school storylines. There's just it's just not there. I can't follow it. It just seems like it's the same match day after day after day. It's just it's, it's not entertaining to me. Bill. Mm. Um. <clears throat> yes, from a in-ring perspective, um, the stuff guys do now—it's uh, it's mind-blowing. The and, and ladies too, uh, but the, like the for the most part, the in-ring is so much better than it ever has been. It's like you could take five guys, ten guys at random from the WWE's talent pool, any ten. Anybody that's on TV right now, you can take any 10, start a new federation, and it'd be popular because the work rate is so good. Um, you can't get to the WWE now. There's very few exceptions of guys in the WWE. They're just kind of basic, boring workers. Um, everybody's got some kind of unique thing. And, but with that, one thing I can't stand and I deeply, deeply hate is when they're, a finisher is used 15 times in a match. When I was growing up, Look at uh, you, Dark when somebody kicked out, when somebody <laughs> kicked out of a, yeah, like last year in Mania, it was that like was horrible. This guy hits three finishing moves. This guy hits three finishing moves. Okay, it's a pin. That's boring. It like, was like what, uh, seven F fives. I was like, no, this, this is stupid. Yeah, yeah I I want to see an actual finishing move that is like boom, lights out, shows over ballgame and they would do that for a little while with some moves like the claymore and a couple different moves like that they did where it was lights like the broke kick and stuff like that if they hit it it's lights out but then eventually they have somebody kicking out of the same move four fucking times and it's like god damn man like it's yes it's suspension and a disbelief and i'm giving you that i'm volunteering my suspension of disbelief but I don't want to see 19 finishing moves and 19 false finishes. And uh, when a guy falls off the ladder, like this is why I don't like AEW. In WWE, when the guy back when they did the ladder matches, the guy will fall off the ladder and he would lay there for a second. Or he would get hit and he would roll out and take a powder for a minute because he was selling what happened to him. These days you're doing Canadian destroyers off of ladders through a table and the guy hops right back up. He's like, aha. It's like, no. No, you're ruining, like, when do you decide to end the match? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, finishers used to be, like, missing a finisher and almost hitting a finisher has been replaced by hitting the finisher five times. And that's one thing I hate about modern wrestling. Just me. Yeah, and uh, it, it's, it's, I, I think there's this ideal of everybody's trying to look good and nobody wants to, I, I don't know, like, okay, you hit me with your finisher, but then I'm going to kick out because I, I want to look good too. It's like, no, just take the finisher and take the pin. Like, look right, good, yeah. look good in other ways. And um, so do you Do you guys think that um, with, with how things are, with, like, some of the moves and stuff like that they, they use, um, do you think that, like – too much of the athleticism is starting to outpace the matches in themselves. Like, because you got guys that can do like four fifties and splashes and can jump from one side of the ring to the other. 
and they all want to put in these spots to show off their athletic ability. Do you think that they're just trying to do too much in matches and they need to kind of slow it down a bit? Yes. Not necessarily. No, 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 I, no. I as long as they do the things tastefully, like um, uh, Shane O'Mac, how he does the uh, the cross ring drop kick from the top rope, like yeah. having like one, maybe two of those in a match. All right, that'd be cool. As long as it's not doing multiple times over and over and over, or like a, a Shawn Michaels super kick or anyone else who does a super kick kind of thing, if they're not like going around hitting it over and over and over, it's just, as long as they're not a lot of repetition and they're actually mixing it up then I, th I think it's cool. And there, there's very easy ways to draw out a match doing so as well. Well, for me, I would have to, uh, sorry, Derek, disagree here just a bit. And that's because, in all honesty, if you actually look at a match, you can actually compare that match. You compare, you compare that match to uh, dancing, like waltzing, salsa, you know, even fencing. We can even go fencing here. And it's choreographed to a certain degree where, yeah, you do get to show off your athleticism. You do get to basically uh, show your endurance going like, you know, 20, 25, 30 minutes a match. But at what point do you say, okay, that's enough? As Bill once said, and of course, Jason just brought up, and it's like, these guys are conditioning themselves to go for hours. The athleticism with these guys, I'm not even going to lie, is superb. I actually sat down and watched one of the matches, you know, updated matches, and it's like, these dudes can do this all day, you know? And, at, and during our time, it's like watching uh, watching Stone Cold do the Stone Cold Stunner or the, the, the Rock doing the People's Elbow and Rock Bottom, Undertaker, Choke Slam, and uh, the Tombstone. The moment they did those moves, you knew it was over. The moment you saw them set up for the move, it was done. You already knew the match was over with, okay? Well, see, was, and, and, it, and the best part was it was the rare occasion. It was a very rare occasion that they would kick out of it or they would, or they would uh, reverse it. But nowadays, these guys are pulling off these moves, you know, very gracefully, if I may add. But it's like, why top? Why keep trying to outdo what you've already done? You know, so there has to be a balance between performance and 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 you know uh, entertainment. You know, and right oh, now in this era, it's kind of they're not they're not they're not balancing it out. That's that's the that's the best way I can put it. Well, you can have a nice balance of these high risk moves that are like doing the, the four fifty splash off the top rope, things like that. Yeah, as long as it's spaced out throughout the match, they can't be doing it back to back to back, and. There, there are still ways you can do so. Like if it's early on in the match and you super kick someone, for example, all right, it's foreseeable that they could give up out of that. I could see that. But as long as they're not doing it like five, six, seven times in a match, then it's just it's redundant and boring. Well, let me let me just let me just say this much. When the attitude era was around, of course you had the choke slam, the stunner, yeah, all these moves. And yeah, we were dumb, impressionable kids going to school in the gym performing these moves on each other. Okay, we were having fun. We were, we were wrestling instead of playing basketball. Okay, and this is how iconic the moves are: is that when you set somebody up for the stunner or the pedigree or even the choke slam, the person that you, even though you know you're playing and you're really not trying to hurt each other, it's sort of like we went on script with the move it was the it was the finisher so the moment you got put in a pedigree 
or a rock bottom, you was like, oh, well, that's it. You know, you're not going to roll out of this one, you know, because you were basically seeing what they did on TV. You were following the script of what they did versus now it's like if you're basically even if you pace out doing these moves, yeah, it's up. it's literally uh, uh, how should I put this? They make it to where there's a survivability rate, which to me does not add to that fantasy of basically ending the match as soon well, as possible. See, th there's the bit of a difference between calling something a, a special move versus a finisher. Like uh, like I was talking about a minute ago with uh, Shane, Mac, Shane McMahon jumping across the ring doing a missile dropkick from the top rope. That's not necessarily a finishing move, but it is a high like visibility, like high value move kind of thing mm -hmm. it's a very flashy move there, there's the word for it there you go and you, you could perceive someone like kicking out of something like that but if you do it three or four times anything like that then it's obviously too much yeah whereas but, i mean you have things like the choke slam for example that was popular among a lot of big men over the years well that uh, let me, was let me... a finisher that's kind of been muddied down well look at the look at the main events when it came down to the pay-per-view matches of old versus new when if you saw Stone Cold doing his stunner, Undertaker doing the uh, tombstone or even the choke slam, uh, even Shawn Michaels doing the uh, sweet chant music, literally the most iconic photos of them of them doing those moves, you can see in the background, everybody has their camera out. They're flashing the photos because they know it's coming. They know the end of the match is coming. So it's like, oh, get the pictures in. Versus now, if you watch a pay-per-view match, you don't have that excitement. When somebody does uh, a finisher or uh, or a special move or whatever you want to call it, it's like you're sort of expecting them to just whip it out anytime throughout that match. Whoa! So whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Another thing with this too. What kind of a party is this? <laughs> Deep throat and whipping it out? Here, uh, you know what type okay, of party this is, baby. Bust out the coke. You gotta, <laughs> midgets. You gotta. You gotta whip it out when you're doing gorilla deep throw position. <laughs> Another thing to go against your point here, Marcus. Too, there are so many people nowadays who are doing the same moves that other people are doing at the same time. So it's not like their own finisher kind of thing. Well, you don't yeah. have. They, they've like, actually they've started bringing back finishers. Like Kevin have. Owens. <laughs> Kevin Owens now does the Stone Cold Stunner. Bray Wyatt does the Manable Claw. I'm kind of glad to see those come back. I want to see those moves come back and be finishers again. Oh, I want to yeah. see. I, I want to see the DDT come back. Oh, I like to see the Diamond time, Cutter. At the same time, some of these people are not like some of these newer guys are not going to be the same as like Randy Orton's RKO, for example. It's mm -hmm. iconic. Everyone knows what the RKO is. Yeah, but hold on. We, we, okay, there's one thing we have to address about the RKO. Let's go. It, it took it took Randy Orton like three years to be able to hit his finishing move right. Oh yeah, yes. So, <laughs> like Randy Orton was is is a guy that really had to put in a lot of work. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. But once again, it's once again, Derek. It all boils, to me. It boils down to performance and entertainment, and where's that balance? You oh, know, I agree because you can because they because these guys could literally go for hours if 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 they did not if they were not constricted by time, matches would probably take an hour hour and a half maybe two hours until these guys are like all right well we can call it quits, and by uh, some standards here because they are in that constricted time zone it's like okay let's try to put out as much content as possible for the fans to perform, 
versus hey, let's entertain them with the roller coaster ride that we're used to seeing during the Attitude Era, where these guys are beating the hell out of each other out of the ring. You don't know what's going to happen, who's going to win, who's going to lose. It was that intense moment until you see somebody just bust out their finisher and just end the match. And it's like, oh, shit, you know, you got to watch that again because you didn't really think that he had it in him to do so. Even though, once again, this is all on the level of, of entertainment, you know, it was still uh, it was still fun to watch. Well, there's a lot of these people who are hitting a lot of these flashy moves trying to make a name for themselves as well. Yeah. They want to get up into the main event matches, get title shots and things like that. So they have to prove that they can actually do a lot of this stuff and actually draw in a crowd. So they want to try and pack as much in as possible. Mm. Well, I, I, will, I, will not, I will not argue with that, yes, because they're trying to make names for themselves. But at the end of the day, when, when you have a finisher, when you have a finisher, okay, God damn it, that finisher is supposed to just, just stop the fucking job, okay? It's game over, okay? Right. That's how I look at that. Okay, Jim Cornette. Hey, oh, hey. I'm, I'm passionate. Well, I think this is a pretty good way to, to wrap up wrestling for right now. We, uh, we hit it with our Stone Cold Stunner. We dropped the leg drop on it. We choke slammed this bitch. We choke slammed it. And we lose sleep it. tonight over a great conspiracy that will probably haunt us for the next 30 years. We hit it with a gorilla deep throat. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's well, going to be my finishing move. Job. <laughs> the gorilla deep throat. The gorilla. It's going to be my, my it's going to be my finishing move. Uh, so with that being said, I'm turning it over to our audience. What do you guys think? Was the Montreal Screwjob a conspiracy? Hmm. What was your favorite promo? Honestly, I would love to. I would love to hear you guys' uh, questions and comments in our Facebook group chat, uh, the Noble Order of Savages. Please go on our Facebook. Tell us what you think. I'm pretty sure some of y'all answers might surprise us. Who knows? We might even. We might even get a response back. If okay. you send us a video of you recreating an old promo, I promise it will be pinned to the top of the page for a while. Oh, yes. yes. If we yes, get a promo, will. I will definitely make sure it goes to the top of the page. Just no Booker T, please. <laughs> okay, you know what? No, <laughs> fuck! <laughs> <laughs> that, that, we'll have to delete that one real fast, okay? Mark's, Mark's promo idea off list. Um, <laughs> all shit. Uh... So with that being said, I want to thank you guys for joining us. Once again, you can find us at uh, face on Facebook with the Noble Order of Savages uh, Facebook group. You can also find us on Instagram. Hey, once again, the Noble Order of Savages. How? Noble ah, the Noble Order of Savages JM. So please, once again. Like, share, subscribe. Even if you hate our guts, you don't like listening to our voices, you want to throw punch us, just just go ahead and share it and share your hate with the rest of the world, okay? <laughs> Let them know how much you hate us, okay? I would not mind. In fact, I will give you a hug and buy you a beer, okay? <laughs> You're doing us a service, okay? <laughs> with that being said, thank you for joining us. You guys have a good night. Peace. Peace. Peace.